grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this 11th Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, beginning at verse 2 and also continuing in chapter 2. The word Ecclesiastes is a Hebrew word that means teacher. And Solomon is describing himself with this title, teacher. And here's what he has to say concerning life and, and especially the value of money. Nothing but vapor, Ecclesiastes said. Totally vapor. Everything is just vapor that vanishes. I also hated all the results of my hard work, for which I worked so hard under the sun, since I must leave it all to the man who comes after me. And who knows, will he be wise or a fool? Yet he will have control over all the results of my hard work, for which I worked so hard and so wisely under the sun. This too is vapor that vanishes. So I charged my course, and my heart began to despair over all my hard work, at which I worked so hard under the sun. Sure, there may be a man who has worked hard, wisely, aptly, and skillfully, but he must hand over whatever he accumulated by all his hard work to a man who has not worked hard for it. This too is vapor. It is so unfair. For what does a man gain through all his hard work, through all the turmoil in his heart, so he works so hard under the sun? Pain fills all his days, his occupation, his frustration. Even at night his heart does not rest. This too is vapor. There is nothing better for a man than to eat and to drink and to find joy in his work. This too, I saw, is from God's hand. For who can eat or, or enjoy himself apart from him? Yes, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness to the man whom he considers good. But to the person who goes on sinning, God gives the task of gathering and collecting. But only so that he can give it all to the person whom God considers good. This to his vapor, nothing but chasing wind. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, because you were raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death whatever is worldly in you, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lust, evil, desire, and greed, which is idolatry. It is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. You too once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now you too are to rid yourselves of all these. Wrath anger, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to each other, 
since you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is continually being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but rather Christ is all and is in all. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, beginning at the 13th verse. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter over you? Then he said to them, Watch out and be on guard against all greed, because a man's life is not measured by how many possessions he has. He told them a parable. The land of a certain rich man produced very well. He was thinking to himself, what will I do? Because I do not have anything anywhere to store my crops. He said, this is what I will do. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will tell my soul, soul, you have many good goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul will be demanded from you. Now who will get what you have prepared? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is the gospel that was read earlier, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And I read these words once again. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who appointed me to be judge or an arbiter over you? Then he said to them, Watch out and be on your guard against all greed, because a man's life is not measured by how many possessions he has. He told them a parable. The land of a certain rich man produced very well. He was thinking to himself, what will I do? Because I do not have anywhere to store my crops. He said, this is what I will do. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will tell my soul, soul, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul will be demanded from you. Now who will get what you have prepared? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the word of the, the, word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as we wrestle with this text this morning, I find myself needing to ask the question, would you consider yourself rich? It's a rather simple question, in fact, a fair one to ask. But as you're thinking, am I rich? You might have difficulty. In fact, it's an extremely hard question to answer. Would I consider myself rich? 
You could have a millionaire who I would say is certainly a very rich man, and he would say, no, he's extremely poor when compared to a billionaire who has more money and power. So how do you answer this question? Am I rich? As you're considering this, consider another question as well. Would you say that being rich is sinful and wrong? Would you say that having and money that you need to manage, and maybe you have a great deal of it, is money sinful and wrong? I've heard it over the years. People say money is the root of all kinds of evil, and yet that passage is not in the Bible. It speaks instead. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We understand that money is really a blessing from God to be used and according to his will and, and in keeping with his holy word. We understand, as it says in Psalm 24, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We brought nothing into this world, and we can't take anything out. So everything we have, we have it to God's glory and according to his will. And all glory and thanks and praise and honor be to our Lord forever and ever. Yes, even for the blessing of money. So what is sinful concerning money? Not money itself, but rather, once again, the love of money. Your attitude towards it. In other words, using it selfishly and with greed. It was that greed that was sinful in the eyes of the Lord. And it was that greed that motivated a, a man to ask Jesus to tell my brother to give me my share. Jesus was speaking to about a thousand people, maybe several thousand. And during this time, Jesus was preaching to them, especially when we read the words before our text. He was warning them of, uh, against hypocrisy, pretending to be Christian, and yet your heart is far from the Lord. He would point to the Pharisees. And then he brought up about confessing him boldly, for he is the Son of Man, and certainly the Son of God, our Savior. Now, we don't have the entire sermon that Jesus preached to them. We only have bits and pieces of it. But we can certainly say that when Jesus preached, no matter what the bits and pieces were, he always followed the general theme of repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Over and over he would say that. So in a nutshell, his preaching and teaching was always around the kingdom of God and along with it, righteousness. Concerning the kingdom of God, well, the kingdom of God is where a king would rule, right? Where God would rule. And Jesus, being the very Son of God, our Savior, he rules in our hearts by his holy word. He certainly rules from heaven, but also in our hearts. And so we are his kingdom, always motivated and empowered by his word. It was the Lord Jesus who, who would send the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, to always testify of Christ. 
remind us that this is the king who is like no other king because this is a king who gave his life to destroy our worst enemies, being sin, death, and the devil. He won for us the victory. And he did it by sacrificing himself on the cross. But the cross would mean nothing unless Jesus lived that perfect life and offered us in an atoning sacrifice that was perfect and holy. He never sinned. Oh, Satan tried to get him to sin, but he never sinned. And our righteous God gave his life for us, and through faith in him, that righteousness is credited to us. We're not saved by our own righteousness. That would be work righteousness. We're saved by the righteousness of Christ. And all the blessings that come from that righteousness of Christ, the blessing of forgiveness, the blessing of a new relationship. I'm a sinner who deserves to be condemned from God's sight forever in hell. But because of Jesus paying for my sins, because of Jesus' perfect life, because of his righteousness, I'm a child of God who's been invited to pray with a believing heart, our Father who art in heaven. And then the hope of everlasting life. These are the blessings. And this is what Jesus would preach over and over again. But while he was preaching, a man blurted out, Teacher, tell me my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What does this have to do with the kingdom of God? What does this have to do with Christ's righteousness? What does this have to do with hypocrisy and, and confessing Jesus boldly? The man just took control of what Jesus was preaching, and in so doing, he changed the subject. But Jesus, knowing that what was coming from this man was not a desire of fairness from his brother, but rather what was driving this man was greed. We know very little about this man. Obviously, he had a father, and his father has died. He has an inheritance. He has a brother, so I would understand that this man speaking is probably the younger brother. Because the older brother usually got two-thirds of the inheritance because he would take over the business. He would continue the work that his father was doing. The younger son would get one-third of it. Now he wanted his fair share of what that third was. Jesus, tell him to, to divide up the inheritance with me. Jesus replies, am I a judge and I'm an arbiter? Our, our Jesus came to be the savior of the world. He didn't come to argue over money. And what's your fair share? And how much of the inheritance you should really get? So Jesus, taking control of the conversation, once again bringing the people back to what really matters, he told a parable. This earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He would tell this parable which really opens up 
the door to the mind and thinking of God and what God thinks and what God says. That's what matters above everything else. Not what you think or say. He tells the parable of a certain rich man. He was blessed with an abundant crop and this had to be a crop like no other. Growing up on a, on a farm every year, if the conditions are just perfect, you always wait at the end of the season when you can harvest and have that bumper crop. Oh, and if anything didn't, if it didn't rain at the right time, or if it, the sunshine um, wasn't, you know, like if you were planting corn, if it wasn't hot and humid enough, the corn would not grow and do well. And then you would have smaller cobs, and then you wouldn't have a bumper crop. Every year, a farmer plants his crops, always with the hope and prayer that this will be a bumper crop. And usually, it's not that way. But this man had a bumper crop. He had a crop like no other. What am I going to do? I'm going to tear down my barns and I'll big, build bigger ones. And, and again, growing up as a farm boy, I've always wondered, why would you tear down the old barns? Why not just build more barns? Now, of course, this is a parable. We've got to be careful not to twist and turn every little detail. A parable has one main point that it is making. But I can't help but to see that the man tore down the his barn in order to build bigger ones because it fit the story perfectly that Jesus was telling. How the attitude of this man was, I'm going to build new. I'm going to have the latest and the greatest. And why? So that I can live and enjoy life and eat and drink and be merry. I'm going to retire. He doesn't want to be fixing up on an old barn. I'm going to have new ones. So there's no more work to be done. Wouldn't we call this the American dream? To be able to, to work all your life and to retire and finally to be done. Oh, is it, is it not the attitude so often? And maybe you've even been tempted to think this way. That I've worked hard. I've worked really hard. I've set money aside. I've, everything I've done in, in my life, I've had to do it for other people. I've had to answer to other people. I've had to try to please other people. Now in retirement, I please myself. I live for myself. I use my money to satisfy myself. And then that kind of thinking, as we yearn for retirement, because the retirement is going to be about me, and we find this trickles into even the ministry of the church. The very Savior who said, go be my witnesses and, and be my disciples to all nations, proclaiming his holy name. When the call comes out for help, oh, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, I'm retired, I'm done. I've, I've, I've served on the councils. I've, I've attended those Lady Guild meetings. I, I did all that service work. 
I taught Sunday school. I helped out with vacation Bible school. I've done all that work. You let the young people do it. It's time for me to sit back and take life easy. And then you've got the younger people saying, well, let the older people do it. they got more time. I'm working right now trying to raise a family and trying to make ends meet. And they got more time than I have time. They're retired. And what ends up happening? The call goes out for help. And very few help. My dear friends, this gentleman is not one to look up to what he is doing here. If you think he's following the American dream, understand this. This is the American nightmare. Why? Because the Lord calls him a fool. Out of all his planning, out of all the things that he was planning probably to sit back and enjoy as he lived out the rest of his life having great plenty and not having to work anymore. He didn't take into consideration God. It was because of his greed that he forgot about death. Once again, we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. God is going to call us home one day. We do not know what day that is. So each and every day we live growing in his holy word, proclaiming his holy word, taking to heart his holy word, giving all praise and glory to our Lord with our very hearts and lives. But this the man did not consider because he was living the life for himself and it was going to be great. And yet the Lord said, you fool, he took his life from him that very day. And what did all that wealth do him? No good. It didn't save him. All that wealth ended up going to someone else. Oh, by the way, like that young man who's demanding his fair share from his brother since his father has died. He's like that man who's going to use that wealth and no doubt misuse it. Because greed is what's driving him. This is money he didn't even work for, but he's going to take it and enjoy it. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we take to heart these very words, keep in mind that greed, greed is so tempting. To look at money as not just a blessing from God, but to let it be our God, because the more money I make, the more power I have, and the more power I have, well, the more money I want to make, because I want to have more power. But it's such a vicious cycle, and it's such a silly cycle, because one thing I can never have is almighty power. Only God can have almighty power, and does. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for what God has blessed you with. Use it to his glory in keeping to his holy will and to take to heart this application from Christ himself. This is how it will be for anyone who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
Being rich towards God does not mean give all your money to the church and, and, and therefore you're going to please God. No, being rich towards God is with a believing heart. And even that believing heart is a gift of God. With that believing heart, take to heart the beautiful words of Jesus who warned his disciples not to worry, not to worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. But he said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is what matters more than anything else. Money is here today and gone tomorrow. But the treasures of heaven, they are priceless. And they are eternal. Forgiveness of sins. New life. Eternal salvation. Nothing compares to the gifts that God has blessed us with. And so we live giving thanks to God for these blessings. Especially motivated by his love for us. And using even the earthly gifts that he has given us. But always to his glory. So now I go back to the question. Would you consider yourself rich? It's a simple and fair question. It's pretty much impossible to answer. Actually not. It's the most simple question to answer. Am I rich? If I look at money, yeah, I can say I'm poor. But I look at the treasures of heaven, I can say I'm rich. I am very rich. And thank God for all that wealth. Peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran, and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.